I understand Pastor began his discussion last week in, with Second Peter, uh, talking about uh, the theme of us managing in the culture in which we live. And it's a very important topic. It actually has been a very important topic since about the Garden of Eden. Our culture, uh, we're all part of our culture. Our culture is everything that we as a civilization do and think and say. It's the way we eat. It's the way we recreate. It's the way we worship. It's the way we do business. It's the way we have holidays. It's the way we look at our families. It's the way we look at how to use time and money and resources. That All of these things, are the, the idea of culture is a huge, huge discussion. And you and I are part of that culture. By being born into it or by moving into it from somewhere else, we become a part of a culture. And that, in culture, that culture becomes a part of us. Right? And so we have inside of us all kinds of ideas that we don't even sometimes know that we have. We have all kinds of attitudes and perspectives about life and things in this life that are inside our brain running around in there, and we don't even realize we have them. But we've had them for a long time, since before we were saved. So the challenge for us as a believer is how do we walk in this culture And yet, in this culture, we manifest the fact that we, we're no longer really part of this culture. So I want you to think about some things with me tonight. And um, for those of you that are in the M&M's class, we've been going through First Peter just in the last couple of months. So please forgive me if there's a little bit of repetition here, uh, but we'll try to do a couple of things that you haven't we haven't mentioned before also. In verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest Measure May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. In verse 1, Peter calls these people aliens. Aliens. Now, in our day and age, that's, that brings all kinds of ideas to your brain. Uh, weird science fiction movies. And the people who believe that Area 48, 51, yeah, yeah is, uh, you know, the government hiding all kinds of alien secrets. Uh, I just heard on the radio in the last uh, week or two, there were 40,000 UFO sightings last year. People reported 40,000 UFO sightings. In fact, I, I had a very interesting experience one day. I was with someone when they saw a UFO. They were ready to call the news and report it. We were in a hospital on a winter afternoon. It was about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. 
We were looking out the window at, a, at one of the mountains nearby. This is back in New York. And one of the nurses or an attendant, somebody came in, and they were taking care of the patient. They looked out the window, and they did a double take, and they looked out again, and they said, oh, my word, look at that, over there above the mountain. And there was this shining round ball hovering in the air over the mountain. And we all looked out the window, and there it was. There was this shiny object hovering in the same position over that mountain. It was there for several minutes. Then this person ran out, and they were getting other people, and they were coming, and they were looking, and I stood there looking at that thing. Well, I was standing right there in the room. I saw it with my own eyes. And then about five or ten minutes later, as the sun began to shift, instead of reflecting from the satellite dish on the tower, <laughs> it was showing us the outline of the satellite dish and the tower. See? Perspective. Perspective. So Peter uses a word here that he's not talking about people from Mars. And we are told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Um, I got news for you. Adam came from the dirt and she came from him. So we're all earthlings which means we should be able to understand each other. But that's a whole other topic, isn't it? The word aliens here is a word, it, it's, it's a compound word, and if, if I just use this phrase, it says, to those who are sojourning away from their own people. They are residing, living, abiding, staying, sojourning away from their own people. So they're here from somewhere else. He's writing to the believers who actually live in the same place they grew up. He's writing to people who are in Cappadocia, Galatia, etc. Now some of them may be Jews that were scattered, but he's also writing to the whole church in that area. They were sojourning away from their own people. So I have a question for you, a couple questions. I want you to think about this, and let's have some interaction. What is it about someone from a different country that betrays their origin or that lets you know they're from a different place? Their accent? Accent? Okay, clothing, food, mm -hmm. what they eat, how they prepare it. The customs they keep. Sometimes their appearance. Sure, features, sure. Yep. Complexion, sometimes. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and and even the composition of the family, who's in charge in the family. How many generations are under that control? 
in the family. Yeah. Uh, many of you know James and Irina Waller. Um, I had a conversation with James earlier. A week ago, we tried to get together. We were trying to get together today. He texted me a day or two ago, and he said, Pastor Hobbes, he said, you probably aren't aware of this, but I can't meet on Wednesday. Wednesday is International Women's Day. And in Eastern Europe, that's the equivalent of Valentine's Day. So I can't meet with you. I thought, good for him that he's keeping track of something that is important to his wife. Because she's from a different culture. And, and he's ministering to her by being aware of that. All right? So what Paul or what Peter is saying, and by the way, Peter and Paul have so many similar things to say on this whole area. Remember, Paul reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, we're not from here. Our loyalty and our patriotism is to a higher uh, and greater location. All right, so... Yes. That's part of it. The scattering that's mentioned in verse 1 is a reference to the Jews yeah. of the church, but he's also running to the whole church. Okay. So among those are not just the Jews. The other thing that may be going on here is that we may already be in a place where the Gentile churches are also scattering because of the persecution. We don't know exactly what was going on at this time. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and we talked about this at a prayer meeting back in uh, January. And without taking a lot of time and being redundant, uh, do you remember I shared with you the, uh, the whole culture of the Roman Empire in which the church was located? In, in the Roman Empire, including the Greek culture, there were many gods. It was normal to have many gods. And you, you not only worshipped the gods of your own people, your family, your city, your country, your region, but you also respected the gods of everybody else. Um, you might not go to all the temples in this city, but you would certainly have respect for the people and the gods of those other temples in the city. Um, in the Roman home, the worship of the gods was so important that every morning when they would get up, they would gather at the hearth where there were the coals and maybe mom was starting uh, to uh, make the, the breakfast or the early meal of the day, but there would be coals burning. And the family would gather and they would throw handfuls of incense into the fireplace for the worship of their gods to make their gods happy for the day so that the gods would do good things for you this day. It was a, an incredibly superstitious society. It was so important to the Roman culture that they do this and worship their gods and respect their gods in this way that a couple of hundred years ago, someone took the Latin word for the hearth and turned it into an English word. 
And it's our English word focus. The English word focus is the ancient Latin word for the hearth. All of the home was centered around the hearth and the worship of the gods. That was the, that was the focal point of the home. And thus we have a new word in English the last couple hundred years to help us zero our attention on something. So in that kind of a culture, if you stop worshiping all those gods and you start to say, no, I'm not going to bow down to Caesar. I'm not going to offer incense to Caesar. I'm not going to come out for the city's uh, annual festival of Saturn or of Jupiter or of Mercury or of Venus or of yada, 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 hundreds and hundreds of different gods. Or if you are a baker and you decide you're no longer going to do uh, sacrifices to the god of the bakers, then the rest of the bakers in town are going to be mad at you because if they have bad business, they're going to blame it on you. And they look at you now as an atheist because you will not recognize the gods of their fathers and the gods of the city and the gods of their culture and the gods of their people. You're an atheist. You are godless. Even though you have one god. And thus, the cultural pressure and persecution in the first century was mounting as the first century developed. By the time 64 AD came around um, and Nero was the emperor, there was a fire in the city of Rome. It burned a huge portion of the city of Rome. No one knows for sure who started it, but Nero blamed it on the Christians. Public opinion was already against the Christians and any bad thing that happened began to be blamed on the Christians. Why? Because they're not honoring your gods. All right? So the more, I, I've said this a few times, if, if you've heard it too many times, I'm sorry. Um, the more I understand about the first century, the more I see we are exactly in the same kind of a setting today as the first century church was. They were inundated by a godless society that was very religious. It was very spiritual. How many times do you talk to somebody, they don't go to church anywhere, but they're very spiritual. They have all kinds of concepts about what it means to be spiritual. Superstitious, meditation, you know, all kinds of other things. So you and I are, to whatever element the Jews were being referenced here by Peter. Yes, they were out of Israel. They had been scattered abroad, the diaspora mentioned by James and others. And so there they were out from their own people. But he's also writing to the whole church, and you and I are here, and we're away from our own people. And maybe he's using a play on words, a double image. But we're here, and we're away from our people. In fact, we're far away from our people. Now, he goes on to encourage them that while they are here and away from their own people, uh, God nevertheless has a great blessing for them. They are chosen. They are given completely sufficient grace in verse 2. And then Paul or Peter begins in verse 3, to say something to them. We're just going to run through this quickly. 
here you are, you're in a strange land, you're in a strange place, you're away from home, you're away from your people, you're a foreigner in a place, you don't speak the language, you don't understand the culture, you don't live the culture, you don't live the customs of the people. Wow, that could get really discouraging, that could get overwhelming. So Peter gives you a great reminder of your home in the next few verses. He focuses their attention on their salvation in this whole next paragraph. He, uh, and, and we're just going to hit a couple of highlights. Um, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You and I have a living hope. We live in hope. We have a hope that has life. It is life eternal in Christ our Lord, based on the resurrection that he mentioned at the end of the verse. We have a resurrection coming. I was talking to Harry Fletcher this afternoon, and uh, he's getting weaker, and he doesn't know how long he has, but he's ready to meet the Lord. Now, he wants to recover and walk and go back home, and I hope he will. But ultimately, what's our hope? Resurrection. A new body. Ah, be done with this one. Enough rust. Enough spare parts. Enough lubrication of the joints. Enough, you know, know, new wheels, new everything, new parts, new pieces. It'll be done and on with the resurrection. We have, in verse 4, an inheritance we have the opportunity to obtain an inheritance in Christ. That's what we're waiting on. Your inheritance is not something, well, in one sense you have it now by promise. One day you will have it. You will experience it. That is a, an inheritance that's described there in verse 4 in several wonderful ways. It, it won't decay, it won't corrupt, it won't fall apart, it won't ever end, and it's reserved in heaven for you. You have a reservation if you are in Christ, you have a reservation. Last fall, Meg and I went out to an arch meeting in Nevada, and uh, we took a few days for some personal time. And I came up with a brilliant idea. You know, flights to Las Vegas are cheap, cheaper than almost anywhere else. So we wanted to go up to Lake Tahoe. And Reno's the closest big city, so I'm looking at the map, and I'm looking at the plane tickets, I thought, you know what, we'll just go to Las Vegas, and we'll rent a car, and we'll drive up to, to Reno, and then we'll stay overnight, and then the next morning, we'll just go on up to Lake Tahoe. Great plan. Well, let's see, we got to the airport, I think it was still dark out, and we flew all morning, we got out to Las Vegas about noon, rented a car, started driving, and driving, and driving, and driving, and driving, and it was like 9, 9.30, and we get into Reno. We had a reservation, which is a good thing. The problem is, there was a motorcycle rally in Reno that weekend. And they had most of the streets around our hotel were all blocked off. And nobody could tell me how to get to our hotel. We could see it. Nobody could tell us how to get there because you couldn't get there the way you would normally get there. You know, I am so glad we had a reservation waiting for us, because we were tired, and we just wanted to go to bed. 
And we walked, we finally got in there, went to the desk, gave them our name, they gave us a key, and we were good. Isn't it great to have a reservation? It'll be night, and we'll be tired. We'll be worn out, but we have a reservation. These are things Peter wants us to think about in our culture. We have protection from verse, in verse 5. We are protected by the power of God. We have salvation in verse 5b. Salvation ready to be revealed later on. We have that salvation now, but the full revelation of it will come in the last time. And so in all of these things, he says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while. My friends, we are strangers in this culture. We are strangers in this world. And I think sometimes our biggest challenge with, the ex- with, with our culture is our own expectations. We ex- you know, we're nice people. Okay, generally. Maybe not before coffee on Monday morning, but generally speaking, we're nice people. We, we expect people to like us. When we share the gospel with people, we sort of expect them to be interested and listen and want it. When we have opportunity to testify of Christ, we don't expect hostility. I mean, you know, this is America. We have the freedom to do these things. This is the land that was settled by people that were carrying their Bibles. And we have all these expectations, I think. And that's what gets us into discouragement. Because this culture is not friendly toward God. This, this old world is not a friend of grace to carry us on toward God. Uh, this world is not my home. This world is not my love. This world is not my focus. The things of this world, the people of this world, while we love the individual people of this world, the people of this world are not our motivation and our source of encouragement and help and stability. What is? Peter says to people who are being persecuted in a culture, your stability is in thinking of what God has already done for you. And what's waiting for you? That's that's our focus. So how do we manage in this culture? By remembering we're just passing through, we're strangers, we're aliens, we're pilgrims, we're headed for a better place, we're we're going home. If you think of one last analogy, when we send our men and women in the armed forces over to other countries to fight battles. They're in a foreign place. They're in enemy country. People, often, even the people we're trying to help, even those people sometimes don't want them there. And what do they want to do? What do our soldiers, they just want to come home. They want to be do their job, get it done, and come home. Because they're not from there. They want to go back to West Virginia or Oklahoma or Texas or South Dakota or wherever they came from. They just want to go home. And do you think they think about that? Yeah. So should we. So should we. We're strangers in an enemy country 
And Peter wants us to be encouraged. He gives us a lot to think about. We're going to pick up from this same passage, Lord willing, next week. Peter uses the idea of the stranger and the pilgrim a couple more times here in 1 Peter. I think that will be helpful for us.